Father, in Jesus' name, you see this great throng of people. You see the potential. You know what's inside of each of them. You know what you have in store for them. Nobody knows them better than you. Nobody loves them more than you. Nobody wants better for them than you. And so, Father, today I pray that this would be a house of inspiration. I pray that this would be a house that gets excited. I pray that this would be a house that says yes and amen to everything of your word, your direction. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the incredible things that you have in store for us today. Father, we can only have a vision because we serve a visionary. We thank you, God, that you have gone beyond to prove who you are to us. And we thank you for that. So today, let us start proving back to you that we trust you, that we believe you, that we have faith in you, that we trust you for everything that your word says. God, cut out an adventure for us in this decade like none other before. Father, let us not stop halfway at Haran, but let us move forward to the fullness of what you have for us. Let us not be those who shrink back to perdition, but let us move forward to the saving of souls. Father, I just pray today that this would be a house on fire, that this would be a house that believes and says yes and amen to everything in your word. We serve an amazing king, and we thank you for all of those things. We thank you for your great exploits. We thank you for all you've shown us time and time again in a corporate sense of who you are, but yet you are so amazing to touch us individually. So today my heart is Lord, that there would be a value that comes forth from this message that says, I choose today to never be the same. I choose today to not lean onto my own understanding. I choose today to take the adventure that you lead me on. And so, Father, we just thank and praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. come on, let's lift up a shout of praise. He is worthy. Oh, we didn't release the kids. Get out of here. Go on, kids. Get out of here. I just got all excited before I even took off. Last week, we began to talk about vision. I mentioned a statement called visioneering, and it's basically engineering everything that God has placed inside of us to go to the next dimensions of where he's leading us. But one of the things that I know about something like engineering a vision is, is that we have to, in order to go to the place that we need to be with God, we've got to raise the bar of who God is inside of us. We've got to raise the bar mentally of what God really, uh, or who God really is and what he can really do. We've got to choose to bring God into a place of trust in our lives that says no matter what we think, no matter what our emotions are, no matter how we feel, no matter what we see with our own eyes, that his eyes see things totally differently than we see. In other words, we need to come to a place where our trust in God moves to the next dimension so that what's demanded of us can be done for the kingdom of God. Anyone available today for service? If so, say yes. yes. Hallelujah. This is not going to be a message where you're just going to want to sit today. Amen. 
Now, listen, I want you to understand that our God is amazing and he is creative. And sometimes you need a review of who he is so that you can begin to uh, re-establish your trust in him. I was just telling the worship team today, I've been through three decades here on staff. Three decades. And this is the, the fourth decade of, of pouring into uh, uh, us as a congregation. And I'm going to settle for nothing less than a group of people who choose to say yes consistently to God and go into the dimensions where no man has gone before. Amen? How many of you know that's the God we serve? He is the God of other dimensions. The Bible says in the beginning God created. He took something out of nothing and brought it into a whole new dimension. That is who your God is. He wants to touch you in that creative ability and say, I can move you beyond the place you are. I create. I am amazing. We serve a God who's able to extend something to us that no one else is able to extend. Who can give a baby to a hundred-year-old woman? Only God. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, only God can do what you need. Tell them, only God. What God watches over a people who are in bondage and when they get to the point of desperation where it looks like the whole world is against them, he can take and part a Red Sea and bring millions of people safely through and destroy their enemy in the process. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them, that's my God. Tell them. What God can take a people into a wilderness? Millions of them and try to lead them on an 11 day journey, but tolerate them for 40 years. And in the process of that, never lose hope for them. Never lose hope. How many of you all are over 40 here today? God's never lost hope. He's never lost hope. In the same way of Sarah and Abraham, not only does he not lose hope, he doesn't lose his focus, and he has a great destiny for you. And so what God can take a group of people and rescue them from uh, uh, this bondage, but yet take and feed them with manna from heaven? How many of you today would say, I've experienced God's manna from heaven? Amen? So who could take... An experience of sticking a stubborn servant into the belly of a whale and then find a way to have that whale spit them out onto the shore of where they needed to be so that their purpose could be fulfilled. What are you stubborn about and what's God waiting to spit you out into, into the definite things that God has for you? God wants to spit you out of the belly of the whale to get you to the place you need to be. What about the immaculate conception? What God can come upon a, a virgin and inspired by the Holy Spirit, a, a, a divine birth that can bring forth his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Amen? This is not just any God. This should not just bring you to any dimension, but a new dimension. What God can send a servant into the lion's den and shut the mouth of the lion right in front of everyone there. How many of y'all need God to shut the mouth of your enemies in your life? Amen? 
You know, the enemy uh, 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 all day long into your, you're not, uh, you can't do this, you're not, you just need God, that God who shut the lion's mouth to shut the enemy's mouth in your life so that he cannot lead you into a pathway of destruction. Your God leads you on pathways of righteousness for his name's sake. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. How would you like to serve the God who turns water into wine? He just doesn't show up as a guest, but he takes control when he's there. When he sees the littlest of issues, he not only takes care of the issue, but he takes care of it in the best way. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that doesn't give you uh, the, the second best when it's at the end of the event, but he turns the very best in for you? Who do you know in your life that is like your God who gives you exactly what you need when you need it and not how you need it? It's always better than what you could have ever imagined. That's our God. He turned water into wine because it was something that would have brought shame into the guests. Your God does not want to see you suffer into those areas. He wants to remove your shame, give you joy for mourning, beauty for ashes. He is amazing. I love a God who loves a good meal. I love a God who gathers a big crowd. And then when everyone else sees what can't happen, he brings everything back into order. How do you like that? You know, I love being places around the world where I have no idea how it's going to work out, but I know the one who's going to work it out. You know, I love when we bring 300 pastors together and I see this outdoor kitchen uh, with sticks and hot fire and open pots. And, and I know that 300 uh, leaders are going to get a giant plate of food. Why? Not because of me, but because of my God, who's able to do exceedingly more than I can ever imagine. And when that comes out, there's something that puffs your chest out and says, that meal is from my God. Amen. He fed the multitudes. He fed the 5,000, and then he was uh, wanting to make sure they got it, so he did it again. And then he fed the 4,000. Right. Oh, folks, until we grasp who we're serving, it's going to be really difficult to go to the next dimension. But this has to be the decade of the next dimension. This has to, we, our game has to go to the next level. And in order to get to the next level, we not only have to know who he is, but we have to value what he says. That's my whole goal for this next decade. My vision for Redeemer's Church is that every single member would value what God says over anything else that is ever said in any other way. That we would be a people that would say yes when he speaks. That we would have not only eyes to see but ears to hear. But as Paul, we found last week that we would have the heart that says immediately I will move to the place where he calls me to move. Folks, I get so excited about when we look at this miracle working God. 
We see this in a large perspective and parameter, amen? Would you say that all of those things are big ticket items, that creation's a big ticket item, feeding the multitudes is a big ticket item, uh, you know, all of the miracles I talked about, you know, millions through the Red Sea, those are big ticket items. Why? Because we have a big God. And when a big God does big things, it creates quite a, quite a stir. But here's the amazing thing about our God. He's not just a big ticket God. He's a God of the individual. He's the God that comes to, to us. He's the God that brought his son individually to us so that we could experience something personal. No longer was it going to be good enough for somebody else to go in and tap into our relationship. He wanted us to have that significant individual relationship where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our God is with us. That our God is for us and not against us. That's what the Bible says in Romans. And unless you believe that, unless you believe that, you will always have one foot on the other side of the fence. Either God is for you or he's not. You have to choose. And if God is for you, then you need to choose like there's no tomorrow. Because, see, we're in a time and a space of history where there is no, there's no room to waffle anymore. I love this God. I love how individual he is. I love how much he loves me. I love that when I apply his word to my life, things happen that are so far beyond my wildest dreams. You can never imagine where, what, what God could do through you and in you. And so, so often it happens so naturally that you have to sit back and add it all up just to make sure you're getting it all down. Oh, my. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 real quickly. Because, see, it's not just enough to know the magnitude and size of the God that we serve. And in order it for, to matter to you, it's got to touch you personally. Yeah. I found that out. I, I, I can't just sell a corporate vision. If I don't sell a vision that doesn't touch you, then you're not going to buy it. Yeah. Wow. But I'm telling you, when you grasp a corporate identity... And you use your individual identity in the big picture, something happens to you that affects everyone else around you. So, who is this God that creates the universe, but yet he loves you individually? The Bible says, and I want you to get excited because I'm excited. This is one of my favorite strings of scripture texts that I love so much. The Bible says in Ephesians, this is about you. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm finally glad he's just talking to me. Okay, We're, I'm just talking to you, Sarah, Gina. I'm just talking to you, Debbie, okay? So don't worry about Ed now, but I'm talking to you. Now, I'm talking to you because Jesus is talking to you right here. This is about you. This isn't about Abraham. This isn't about Moses. This ain't about Joshua. This is about you because this is what he did for you. And until you get it, until you understand this is yours, apprehend it, let nobody rip you off. That's what it says in Colossians. Stop allowing people to steal from you. 
who your identity is. This is what he did for you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Your God has blessed you with everything under the sun. Everything that you need, every gift that, you, uh, 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 that he has for you, he's poured out for you. Everything that scripture means, everything that's stored up in any heavenly realm is yours to apprehend. And it's yours personally. You serve a God who has blessed you. Secondly, in verse uh, 4, it says you serve a God who has chose you. Who chooses you? I remember in the playgrounds all the time, I was the BMOC, and when we picked teams, everybody wanted to pick me first, but I was always thinking, who's going to get picked last? I didn't realize the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first, and I didn't realize that that kid that always got picked last, all those kids who got picked first are ended up working for him right now, amen? <laughs> He's running Wall Street, and they're trying to... Run a, you, you know what I'm saying? You know, you, you think of these things as you get older. But the idea is we were chose first. Before the foundations of the earth, the Bible says God knew you. He said in your mother's womb, you were built. He said, I knew your bone structure. I knew your skeleton. I knew the core of who you were in Psalm 139. This is the God we serve. He loves you individually. He has chosen you before the beginning of time. Uh, uh, the, the, in verse 5, this, you need to realize this, that this God has predestined you. It's not if you're going to have a vision to do something great. It's when you understand it. It's not if he has a plan for your life. It's when you press in and find it. It's not if he's going to provide for all of your destiny. It's how he's going to provide for it. See, this God can't help himself. And, and, and the God who created the earth has no problem taking care of your needs. This God, who we talked about with all of these great miracles, he has accepted you in all of your faults. And knows them all. How good is that? How many of y'all came in here today and you were not perfect? Would you say, it's been a rough couple days for me, babe? Rough couple days. I've been on steroids all week. And I am like, ah. I mean, they're, 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 they're driving me nuts. I, I thought she might go get a hotel. But my God loves me anyway. He loves me anyway because he's accepted me. He's accepted me for all of my faults, all of my transgressions, everything about me. And you know what? That makes me feel secure. That I know that he's never going to leave me or forsake me. And if my God before me, my God, who can be against me? He's redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb. In the word of our testimony, we have a Savior who said, my blood is going to cover you. Mm, that just excites me to no end. Uh, I know this, that 
the, the next thing I, I see in Ephesians 1.9 is that he has not only came to us, but he's, he's um, oh, what word do I want to use there? Let me just read 1.9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So he has, uh, uh, he reveals things to us personally and individually. How does that make you feel? Amen. Now, one of the things that I know is this, and I, I'm going to have to cut these points short, but I want to not miss Ephesians 1.13. This is critical. Okay, you need to know this. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth. You heard the word of truth. You're going to hear me say this many times. The word of truth. When we get into the place of truth, I'm going to talk to you in a moment here about truth and value and a couple words that I want you to grasp because they're going to make the difference over the next decade. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed. Listen to me. Sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is this, the, the Holy Spirit sealing us is like an earnest or a pledge for our inheritance. And I blew over that, you, you have an inheritance. But what he does is he seals all of this. His seal is like a stamp, like with a, a signet or a private mark. Like, for instance, when I get a letter to go to Burundi, I have to have a letter from the hotel. And, and the hotel I'm staying at, it has to have a signet stamp of that hotel for me to send that paperwork to the Burundian embassy to get a visa because that signet stamp clarifies that I have that I, they trust that hotel that says I am staying there and I do have provisions. You are have a signet stamp of God in your life. You are sealed unto his purposes. You are stamped, you are marked. You're a marked person in the kingdom of God. And what that denotes is several things. First is security. I know I'm going to be staying at the Des Plateau when I show up in Gazi. I don't have to worry where I'm going. The car takes me right to the Des Plateau. They got the pastor's suite right on the far corner. It's the lower room. I get it every time they save it for me. Why? Because there's a relationship that has been formed there. And so God is sealing us into a place of security. He's sealing us in a place of ownership because who we are in him cannot be changed by anyone or anything or anybody, but it can be reduced by the amount of trust that we have in it. We are the only one that can reduce our relationship with God to something less than what it is. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And I just want to make a couple more points that I want you to start beginning to think differently. Why is that? Because everything that the Bible says about you, when you activate it to the fullness of what it's intended to be, is going to give you something different than anyone could ever give you in life. Nobody can give you what God can give you. Nobody. That's why there, there, there ain't nobody, ain't nobody like Jesus. 
There's nobody like God. There's nothing like being a child of God. And until we grasp the magnitude of that, that God isn't a God who wants you to show up. God is a God who wants you to buy in. Acts chapter 9, and immediately Paul moved. Genesis chapter 37, and in the midst of Joseph's controversy, he jumped in. Nehemiah 1 and 2, when Nehemiah's eyes were open to those things, he prayed that God would give him success. Why? Because they all knew everything in all three of their lives hinged on one thing, and that was God. Nothing else. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to the front of the fiery furnace because they knew one thing, that if God was for them, then the fire couldn't destroy them. And that's why when we talk about the fourth person in the fire, you have no idea how many times God's walking through the fire with you and you just don't realize it. You just don't realize it. But the closer you get to him, the more you feel him. The more you feel him, the more you know him. The more you hear him, the quicker you say yes. And, and the quicker you say yes is the sooner the adventure begins. The kingdom of God is not a place you come to hang out. It's a place you come to experience life. Amen? Okay, now listen to him. Y'all with me still? In Ephesians chapter 3, we see in verse 20, one of my favorite scriptures again. It says, now to him who is able. Are you able? He's able. That's big H. Okay. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to what? The power that works where? How does that power get there? Who put it there? Come on, somebody fess up. How did the power get there? He lives in you by who? By the Holy Spirit. You are infused and endued with power from on high. Just read Luke 24, 48. Okay? And, and this happened in the book of Acts. You are empowered for these things. Now, the interesting thing that I see here is, is a couple things that I want to point out. To him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, when we look at the word abundant there, it's the exact same word that Jesus uses when he talks about the idea that I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I give life and life what? Abundantly. It's parasos. And what that word means is this. It means that, that it, what God does abundantly is super abundance. It's overflowing. It's profuse. It's so crazy. And it's extraordinary. Now, here's the interesting part of what always captivates me in this text of scripture. It says, when we walk in lockstep with God, when we apprehend his vision, when he begins to do things, the abundance that he does, we have a limited perspective per what we can think in our own mind's eye. But see, in his perspective, it, the Bible says this, that it's abundantly above all that we ask. We're praying for things 
Nehemiah prayed for the success of the wall, and God's already ahead of him preparing the forest to chop down the trees for everything that he needs. Nehemiah is preparing for success, but yet he's just a servant. He's a slave. He's a cupbearer. Everything that he has is so, everything that he needs is so far outside of his reach. When he prays for success, he's praying that God would be the one who makes him successful because he knows God has everything already in control. And if he can get God on his team, there's not one bolt, not one nail, not one wooden peg, not one wooden board that he will not provide for the success of the project see visions directed in a heavenly sense are so far beyond what we can ask or think on our own that they transform us to a dimension to where we're never the same and I need us to never be the same I need us to press in to the abundant uh, uh, supply of what God has now. Uh, above all that we ask or think, you sit around and dream your greatest dream and God's so far beyond you, it's not even funny. You sit and think about your greatest thoughts and God's so far beyond you, you can't even comprehend where he's at. But the beauty is, is that it's not that he doesn't want you to know those things, but he wants to assure you of those things. Now, here's the interesting thing. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3 real quick. And I'm working hard. I'm grinding today. These scriptures all begin to tie together. Okay? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is so familiar. Okay? We know that. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then what does it say? Why? Why? We, we just read that in, in Ephesians, didn't we just read that God thinks for us above all that we ask or think? So why would the writer of Proverbs come out with this great wisdom to say, don't lean to your own understanding? Why? I'm asking. Because you would be limited. What else? And, and he, I mean, that's the key. You cheat yourself. It, it's, it's, it's a worldly perspective. You'll gauge things by what you know. We always gauge things by what we see or feel or experience. But in the kingdom, we can't just see, feel, and experience and bring natural things in. Because when we lean onto our own understanding, we don't get to the place where God's ability thinks beyond where we are. This is powerful stuff. And so when we say trust in the Lord, okay, trust. If you look at your prayer directives, and I asked uh, if people would put those in today i i put them in there for a reason because i just wanted to capture a few thoughts of what god's saying to me in the prayer directives for the first part of the year vision casting i'm vision casting okay point number one is this treasuring the word of god and trusting its truth what i feel god is leading us to is it's my job to help us one value to trust and to th and, and to uh, number three bring truth and what do i mean by that okay 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your understanding. Now, it also says this, and I'm going I'm to finish this thought. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Okay? And what shall he do? I, I can't hear you. <laughs> Who do you want directing your path? I mean, seriously. <laughs> Who do you want directing your path? And he's, he's saying that when you do this, that's what he'll do. We're breaking this God of creation down to this individual sense again that not only was it cool to create you, but now it's, it's, what, it's his heart to direct you. I mean, how good is that? That this God wants to come and to direct us, okay? Now, when it talks about here, when it says acknowledge all your ways, that means this. Your ways are this. They are they're opportunities. And every specific day that you wake up is a new day for God's opportunities in your life. So every day you get to experience the God who, when he moves upon you, he, he continues to direct you. And so when you start building a faith in the idea that, that this God who is directing you has your best interest in mind and that you're, you're going to be moving according to his will and his ways, then you can begin to have a, a, a peace for the adventure and not just a peace, but you get everything that you need for it. When you lack anything, you can revert back to the place where you've lost your trust in God. God says that he will supply all of our needs according to what? Aren't you glad it's not according to your ways? So don't lean onto what you can accumulate. Trust God to break the curse over your life and your finances. You read Malachi for yourself. I'm not going into it. You read Malachi 3 for yourself. If you want, if you want God's free flow in your life, then you, you, you have to apprehend the truth. Now, here we go. These are the ways. Acknowledge him in all your opportunities. Find that place of intimacy with God. When you're praying, open your heart to say, God, whatever it is you have for me, that's what I want. Now, when we get into this place of, of where I'm saying, uh, you know, visionarily to help us to get to this place, I want you to understand these words. In order to go to the next dimension with God, you've got to have a greater value for his word. Write this down. Value for his word. It's not something I can do for you. It's not, it, it's not what I preach on Sunday morning. It's what you read on Monday. It's not what, what uh, I do for you in a small group. It's what you sign up for uh, all on your own. Okay? Now, this is what the word value is. Listen to me. The word value means the regard that something is held to deserve. This is powerful stuff. The importance or worth or usefulness of something. What value do you place on God's word? What regard do you have and how have you held it? How does it deserve to be held in your, in your stead? It's the importance or the worth of it. What worth have you placed on the word of God? 
is the, is the value of what you obtain from the word more important than what you obtain wisdom-wise anywhere else? And when you get to the place to where you value the word that way, something happens. Trust, here's the second word. When it says trust in the Lord with all your heart, it says trust is this, a firm belief, now listen to me, in the reliability, the truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. The someone's Jesus. The something's the word of God. And so for you to build true, or trust, you have to have a firm belief in the reliability of this. And until you believe that this is the most ultimate reliable source, you will never get to the place to where God has intended for you. And it's a great place. That same God that does all those miracles but yet brings it down to you personally is the same God that puts out this text for you to trust because he knows what's best for you. And when you start operating through a trust in the word and choose every day, here's my decision, here's what the word says, here's what the world says, no matter what, I'm trusting what God says and I'm applying it to this situation. When you get to that place, you're never the same. Never, never the same. It took me three years to get to that place. Back in 1983 through 86 when I got saved. And I don't know how many times I read through that pocket New Testament that somebody gave me. I, I must have read it two or three times a, a, a quarter. Completely through. But something happened when I realized that this is so good and this God loves me so much that when I do these things that my life is totally transformed. Now 40 years later. If Tammy and I could tell you all of the testimonies of God's faithfulness in our lives, we just sat the other night and started talking about uh, faithfulness to family, faithfulness to finances, faithfulness to our future, faithfulness in the places around the world that he's taken us to. And guess what? What we have personally didn't add up to do any of that stuff. But with God, all things were possible. Trust, a firm belief in the reliability. How reliable is God? Ask yourself. Ask your neighbor, is God reliable? Ask yourself about, is God, is, does, is his abilities real? You have to ask yourself that. And so then the last thing is, is truth, a factor of belief that is accepted as true. There's certain things, Ian, can you have your team come? There's just certain things that have to be accepted as true. There's just certain things that, you, you know, you're going to have to make a choice over. And so, in this series on, on uh, vision and where we're headed as a corporate group, we talked about all of the great things that happened last year, and I say yes and amen. But boy, I, I, I'm so excited about this next decade of establishing a, a group of people who will say the most important matters of our lives will be shaped by the truth of God's word more than our preferences, our opinions, and our feelings. 
and I'm asking you at the beginning of this decade to join me in prayer to say that we are going to pray for one of the greatest transformations that a place has ever experienced in their journey of what God has called us to do. And I don't know about you, but as I look around here in this room, all I see is destiny. Destiny after destiny, purpose after purpose. And I see a group of people that as they place their trust in the one who loves them individually, that they will get to see God do something amazing corporately. So, Father, today let's all stand. I just pray today, Father, that there would begin to be just this holy transformation. That you would help each of us, no matter what level we're currently at, Father, in our trust with you, to get to that next dimension. That you would help each of us, Father, come to a place that we would agree that not only are you powerful, but you're reliable. Not only are you uh, able to do great things, but that you look at us individually for those as well. And so, Father, today, as we grasp these concepts, as we move into this next decade, and we begin to set our vision on lost souls, and we set our vision on things that will transform lives and train leaders, and as we set our hearts on those things of your kingdom that you've called us to, to do to touch the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives around the world, Father, I pray today for a new hope, a new heart, that there would be a, a new focus on who you are, what you can do, and that we will trust you like we've never trusted you before. So Father, today, let this be a day where we say yes to your word and have confidence to follow it to the nth degree. And so, Lord, as I pray a blessing upon our congregation, I say, Father, let the words of this song just follow us through this week as we set our eyes upon the cross and who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name, Lord. Come to still be true.